Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. My God in heaven, are you having fun? Come on, you got to get louder than that. I said, are you having fun? Man, right? Let me start this Saturday morning. I got messed up Saturday morning. You need to go back and watch all that. You got to watch it all. Amen. Started Saturday morning. We came in and man, just a whole nother level of where we're going. And then how about Brother John? Oh my God in heaven. Praise the Lord, man. Blessed us. And uh, how many of you were thinking about the precious today? You know, it's funny. After somebody preaches something like that, you start seeing it in the Bible. You don't see it before he talks about it, but then you start you start thinking, you know, you think, well, he used the widow woman, then you start thinking about, you know, you think about the, 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 the woman with the oil, and you start thinking here, and you start thinking there, and then you start thinking about the precious gifts that God asked you to sow, you know, and, and what it meant to you. And you know, this morning, it was funny, I was reflecting, and you know, one of the things I, Brother John was really just, just preached a lot of great stuff. One of the things I really felt that the Lord was like, you know, Sometimes that, that seed has to die to resurrect. You know what I mean? And you think about those seeds that you've sown and seeds you're sowing now change your life and just go to a whole other level of thinking and the atmosphere has really produced uh, a whole other level of expectation. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I don't know about you, man, but I'm excited about tonight. You know, I, I've, been, I've been sharing from my heart about how much Dr. Rob means to us and Miss Linda. Um, they, they, uh, and they came, they came and found, I don't know if I found him or, or I don't think he, I, I don't know how that all works. Does he find you or you found him or whatever, but I'm just happy. However it worked out, it worked out because that's how God wanted it. And I thank God for that. And he's such a blessing to our life and he's a blessing to the people of the church. And I'm going to tell you what, he's a blessing to you guys. Because I'll tell you, he'll he'll ask, he'll he'll you know sometimes I don't even tell you this, but sometimes I'll be like, hey, how's how's Karen and Paul doing? How's so and so doing? How's how how's Genesee? How's this and how's that and how's how's the church and how how do all those people? You remember that pastor? How's that pastor doing around? How's those people doing? Those those are people that carry not just me in, in their heart and Liz, but carry you in their heart, and they made an investment from day one into this church. Never asked for a thing to come here from the beginning. That's why we want to honor him in everything we do and her. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let, I, I know you want to hear the words. Let's do this. Let's just stand up on our feet. Lift our hands to heaven. We just want to thank God for tonight, what we're going to hear, what we're going to receive. And we want to thank God for the man of God that's coming in the name of the Lord. He's carrying the word, carrying the anointing. Father, I thank you for Dr. Rob. I thank you for this moment. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and helping us. And Father, I thank you for transforming our life forever. We know that you could do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. And we thank you in advance. And Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this time of impartation. And we thank you for Dr. Rob. God, anoint him afresh and anew. And Father, I thank you, Lord. Let him speak forth like the oracle of God. Thank you, Father, for his life, for his ministry, and for his dedication to you. And may something in him rub off on us so we'll never be the same again. 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Dr. Rob Thompson. Praise the Lord. Let's raise our hands to heaven. Just say this after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am so grateful for your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. You told me that if I loved your word, nothing in me would cause me to stumble. So thank you, Father. But the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. Jesus said that he is the light of the world and he is the light of men. So thank you, Holy Ghost, for shining greatly in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful for us to be here. We got Brother John off to, to uh, wherever he went. All I was grateful for was I was just grateful to make sure that I got him on the, uh, I got him on the, I got him as, as far to the situation as I could get him. I took the last picture of him as he was in the TSA line handing his boarding pass to the TSA agent and then I sent that off because they were going to send somebody up here to come pick him up. And I said, no, you don't need to do that. I'll get him all the way over to, I'll get him to the, uh, no, I'll just get him on board. Or at least I got him as far as I could take him, you know. And I was grateful. And I just kind of went like, praise the Lord. And I just, I said, see you later. But what a man, what a guy, what what a person who, so humble, just, just a humble man. I, I'm so grateful, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you got to meet him. And it's so sweet that you did, and that you loved him, and you cared for him. Thank you. Thanks so much. Tonight, there's going to be some things that happen in people's lives. If you're in the ministry, I'd like you to stand first. Yeah, let's give these guys a hand. Okay, I'm, I'm saying this now, that each and every one of you are going to come to a financial breakthrough for the people in your congregations and the people that you're responsible for. The only difference in between the belief, remember, the Old Testament was all about faith and character. The New Testament is now faith in the grace of God and behavior. So it's the behavior that's interesting. You keep your heart straight. You don't make apologies for what you're going to have to say because remember, you're going to run into the greatest demons that the body of Christ has ever faced. I told you yesterday, and it remains true, is that the greatest demon in all of hell is the one that was assigned to be able to tell you that God wants you and the people in your congregation poor. He was sent to tell the church to be poor. 
That's the reason why that we're still here and that we remain until Jesus returns. And the reason why it's taken so long is because he's been able to convince us to take things such as a vow of poverty, of really not wanting things, when the truth of the matter is, is that the opposite is, is true. Is that there isn't anything, he told you, that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or even imagine. So, do you mean to tell me that you can't get a new car out of somebody who wants you to ask him for something that is greater than you can imagine? Are you telling me that you can't get your bills paid so that the body of Christ can have all of these bad testimonies and examples in front of the rest of the world because we never told the people that they could be free? Remember this. People need permission to prosper. That it's okay for them to win. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for my brothers, my sisters, my fellow ministers and friends. Father, thank you that this evening that you're cracking open their hearts and you're putting inside them the discovery that I made all those years ago. That Father, it didn't matter how much I wasn't cared for or I wasn't liked. The only thing that mattered was I was able to tell your people what I believed that your word had to say. Nothing about religion, but all about fellowship with God. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for tonight. Thank you for coming into this house. Thank you for, for showing yourself strong in the lives of every one of these people. They will never, the people in these congregations will never be poor again. That every time that they walk inside a door of these congregations, that prosperity will touch them. And that everything, like you said in Psalm chapter 1, verse number 3, that everything that they put their hands to will prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. How do you get debt free? How do you come to the place where you don't owe anybody anything? As Romans 13, 8 said, that you owe no man anything but to love him. How do you get to that place? Because remember, love takes care of other people. How are you going to take care of people without money? Until, uh, uh, remember this, until you are completely out of debt, the money that you have is not yours. It belongs to someone else. You have already gotten the goods, the services, whatever it is that actually that loan paid for. You now need to pay that back before you begin to try to introduce someone to the debt-free lifestyle because you aren't. This fellow comes up to me and he says, you know, he said, Pastor, he said, you, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, he said, I'm debt-free. I said, you are. He said, oh, yeah, I'm debt-free. I said, that's great. It's wonderful. He said, you know, there's only one thing. He said, I got I to gotta get my wife a new cell phone. I said, why is that? He said, because, you know, her car's not very good. And we moved up to Wisconsin, out in the middle of nowhere where nobody is. We did all of that. 
and I have to get her a new cell phone so that just in case her car breaks down, just in case her car breaks down, then, then I'll be able to go pick her up. I'm dead free. I said, you're not dead free. Are you kidding me? Anytime that you have to think about what you don't have, you're not dead free. You actually, the moment you start worrying about money, you're actually in worse shape than everybody else. And so becoming debt free is something that each and every one of us must aspire to. But we also must cause the people that are around us to aspire to the same thing. What's going to happen the day that your money is worth nothing? What's going to happen that, what's going to happen that day when all you can do is have digital money? What's going to happen? What's going to happen when you stop using cash and all you can use is a credit card and you're almost right there now because they took two years through COVID to tell you that they don't want to accept any more cash. We only do cards. See, so you can see, you can see how this, this train is moving. Remember this. Evil. Evil. runs wickedly, but it runs consistently. It just goes, the, it's like the wheels of time. The wheels of time are so slow that you never see it actually happening to you or to your family or to your kids. Some of you have gone, you know, you've been notified by the school that your child now wants to be the other sex and they don't want to tell you about it. Like, hey, you don't think that when God put this thing in our lives that he didn't know which one he should be? So here, what we're going to do is we're going to try to change the plumbing. But, but the, the amount of suicide that's happening, happening among this crowd is just far beyond anything that anyone will ever know. So what do we do about helping people come to the place to where they have money in their pocket all the time. I tell the girls at the house, they, uh, you know, I said, I ask them, I said, how much money do you have on you? I said, well, you know, I, and my wife is just absolutely notorious for this. I think she does it just because she knows I love her, I think. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that I'll just say, how much money do you have? And she said, well, you know, I don't have any cash. I said, you don't have any cash. She said, well, yeah, I just do everything through the credit card. And so then, you know, you got to go in your pocket, take two, three hundred bucks out of your pocket and just say, my darling, listen, don't you ever walk around without any cash. Don't ever do it. Because cash will be one of the last things that go before someone is going to come and grab your throat. But if you don't owe anyone anything, anything, what do you do? Generator, what do you do? You actually make sure, you actually make sure that you are completely set that just in case that there is a couple of weeks where there is really kind of um, some interruptions in our particular lifestyle, that you, what you do is that you're ready. I can't tell you how many hundreds of people actually left left the congregation that I had when Y2K happened. 
because people started buying gold. They started doing all of these other kind of things. And, and honestly, people really, they, they just, they got through that. And, and then about 2004, 2005, all of a sudden gold tanked. Gold was bought for $280 an ounce. And then it went down to about 200 and people started dumping it. And when they started dumping it, I, would, I wouldn't dump it. So now I just hand out gold coins to the kids when they come around. Every one of them's worth about 500, 800 bucks. I mean, it's just like, because today, gold is 2000 almost $2,000 an ounce. Then, you know, how about, did they ever repent over the fact that, oops, they were wrong? No, never do. People never do. Pride is a horrible thing. And so, if anyone should be debt-free, it needs to be God's people. If anyone needs to be debt-free, it needs to be the people that serve God, the people that follow God, the people that cry out to God, if anyone ever does that. So being debt-free doesn't just come because we want it. It comes to those that are willing to fight for it. You have to fight to become debt-free. Because the rest of the world is showing you how to get in debt all the time. We want you to buy a new car. We want you to buy a new this. We want you to get a new house. We want you to do all of these things. But becoming debt-free belongs to those who are willing to fight for being debt-free. Think, oh my gosh, I, 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 I don't, but I don't have the money. Don't, it, being debt-free doesn't take money. Being debt-free takes a debt-free mindset. You'll get debt-free when all of a sudden what happens is being debt-free means more to you than picking up Chick-fil-A. When being debt-free means more to you than, than, than all of the rest of the stuff that you do. See, God's got money for Chick-fil-A. He just doesn't want to use yours. He wants to use somebody else's. Somebody will buy you Chick-fil-A. God will have somebody buy you Chick-fil-A, but I'll tell you, he, doesn't, he wants to know that you have made the decision to follow him and to trust that he is going to take care of you. Because he said, now you, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. All things, that includes Chick-fil-A. You get that. So, okay. So remember, here's five things that heaven expects you to do with your money. What do I do with my money? You know, what do I do with it? Because it's one thing, it's, it's one thing to be able to get a paycheck at the end of the week, but what do you do with it? One thing you do is make sure you don't spend it before you get it. I remember when I had my first job, I got, I, I, I got my first job when, when I did I actually started spending the money that I was going to make before I ever had the job. I bought this car, I got, I got this other, all this stuff, now I don't even have a job, and I did that already. So here are some of these things that God wants us to do, to do with our money. Number one is that God wants us to have enough money to provide for the needs of our household. He wants you to have enough money to do that. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 8 tells us this. He said, but if anyone doesn't provide for his own, 
and especially those of his own household. He has denied the faith. Now notice there, the man who actually, who actually, friends, the thing you need to know, the man who really doesn't take care of his household is, very, is the very same man that has denied the faith. It's not the fact that he doesn't have the money. Remember, I told you yesterday, I don't remember what today is, but I told you sometime here, poverty, friends, poverty isn't the lack of money. There isn't a person you've met in America today that doesn't have money. You don't have to work. America will give you money. And they're, and they're working toward that, that uh, national, um, that basic income, right? They're working toward it. You're starting to hear little rumblings about it, that everyone will have a certain amount of money so we can make sure that they feel okay. I, I, look, I don't want you to feel okay. I want you to go to work. Because if a man will not work, neither shall he. Okay, then why do you keep feeding them? To me, that's simple. It's a very, very simple thing. So inside of all of this, he said, but if anyone doesn't provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith. He's denying God. Because when God put you in that family, God also gave you the ability to make more than enough money to take care of everyone that ever walked through that door. So the moment that God put you in that position, realize he also equipped you to be able to take care of it. Now, you, don't, you maybe not, don't know how to do that or where to get it from, but that's your pursuit. Because most people don't believe that God wants them to have any money. They don't believe it. They don't believe they're worthy. They don't, they don't believe that, that it's right for them to do it. They don't believe, it, they don't want to have any kind of excess. Well, how are you going to take care of any other family if you don't have access or excess? How are you going to do it? You can't do it. It's just, it won't work. Because all I know, all I know is this. I've had a family, two families, three families, and still, Linda and I are still able to take care of everyone that comes around. And I haven't had a job for two years. And I'm not running out of money. Now, why is that? It's because when I was 42 years old, Till I was 42, and some of y'all just aren't even there quite yet. If You know, you'll be 42 one day if you live long enough. Somebody says, oh man, that's really old. Well, you know, you'll be old if you live. I mean, or the idea is live fast, die young, and make a good-looking corpse. I mean, it just, it's however you want, to, you want to look at that. So here's, that was number one. Here's number two. God wants you to have enough money to preach the gospel around the world. That's what he wants. Amen. You know, we're going to do it. Are we going to work this out? Low. Are we working this out or not? Okay. So that's what we have. God wants you to have enough money. He wants you to have enough money to preach the gospel around the world. So he wants you to, now you're telling me, he wants me to have enough money 
to take care of my household and all the people that come through? You want to take you you want me to do that? And then you want me to have money to preach the gospel around the world? You you want me to have that much too? I mean, God, I never knew that I was supposed to have that much. Well, remember this. You can't ask what he wants to give. There's not, the, the breakdown does not come with him at all because everything like that has already been provided. It's there. It's in the bank. It just needs to be drawn down. Yeah, but I don't know how to do it. That's what we're talking about. You start taking care of people. But you don't take care of them because you're a good person. Good people, you know, God never had a good person in, in, that was ever in his creation as of yet. Now, I didn't, say, I didn't say that there weren't righteous people that became righteous through the blood of Jesus. I never said that. What I said was, there has never been a man that was born that was qualified to work for God yet. A human. Now, of course, Jesus was. But what do you have? I mean, here's the guy, the biggest guy in the whole story, Peter. You know, they said, well, you know, Peter denied Jesus, but, you know, John, he loved Jesus and he didn't deny. Oh, yeah, he did. Peter denied Jesus with words. I don't know that guy. That's something. You know, I don't know him. But John denied Jesus with silence. Because he should have spoken up for him. Because when they said, you know this guy? He never said he did. You know, you can, you can deny people more with silence that you've, than you have ever denied them with your words. Because people are afraid to tell people what they're thinking. So, keep that in mind. So God wants you to have enough money to preach the gospel around the world. In Matthew chapter 28, it's pretty interesting. Jesus said, now all authority... Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. He said, Now you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I command you. And lo, I don't know what lo means, but I'm here. I'm here until I come back. Don't think I'm not here. But then he gives more an interesting definition to all of this, what this means. Let me tell you what the gospel is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse number 3, the Bible tells us something. Uh, give that to me up there. Do you have that? Do you have 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, verse number 3? He said, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It's really important for you to know that that term, according to the Scriptures, really matters, because this is the Gospel. 
Jesus died and rose according to the scriptures. Jesus actually was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures, according to these things. For me, and you'll never hear this from me, that's the reason why I would prefer to teach rather than to preach. I am more interested in what God thinks about something than I am in what I say about something. I am not interested in what I think. I don't care what I think, and I honestly don't care what you think. I love you, but I don't care. I mean, and that I don't say that in a sarcastic or tongue-in-cheek kind of a way. I honestly don't care what you think. Because what you think or what I think, none of it matters. The only thing that matters is what God says, so let's just find out about it. Because really, our clock is not going up. Our clock is going down. And so we got to get with the program. Number three. Number three. God wants us to have enough money to pay our taxes. Some of y'all need to quit cheating. It's like that guy that turned around and said, I don't know but what, what you've been missing, but you've been dissing. I know you've been dissing, dissing. That's for sure. Why is that? Because paying your taxes is proof that God gave you money. You never have to pay any taxes if you don't make any money. Somebody said, oh my gosh. And a friend of mine tell me, he said, oh man, I just had to pay a tax bill. I said, oh, well, that's great. I mean, I said, even before you tell me how much it was, I said, just remember this. You had to make a bunch more in order to have to pay that much. It was in his last, his last payment for, for 2022 was $1.2 million. He said, he said, glory. I said, man, I'm for you. I mean, may it be 20 million. And then may your accountant figure out how that you can, you can actually, you know, the, remember, loopholes in the tax code were put there for you to use them. They weren't put there so that you could say, oh, no, 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 no. And, and this false piety stuff. No, they're there. That's the reason why you pay someone to do your taxes. Don't you do them. Because, you, because the money that it costs for the, the tax guy, the, the money that it costs is going to come back to you and what he's going to save you. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, beginning with verse number 17, the Bible tells us, he said, Tell us, therefore, what do you think, Jesus? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Is it lawful, you know, for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Because the people around him kept saying, I'm not, I'm not paying taxes. And I had a guy in the church that didn't pay his taxes. And he took that old thing of, you know, it was 1913 when the Federal Reserve was created and the whole thing and, and was in an argument with the, with the tax department in America for years until all of a sudden I don't care how much you believe that they're not going to that they're not going to come after you they're going to come and get you is that the way you want to spend your life just to try to save no I'll pay off the government to leave me alone you know 
Uh, that's the reason why I don't know why people had trouble with the mafia. Listen, you can make sure no one broke your windows. You can make sure that nobody slashed your tires. You can make sure that nobody died in front of your restaurant. You could do the whole thing, you know, for a thousand dollars to make sure that that you know BLM didn't come and break all my windows. I'll pay them a thousand dollars not to break the windows. The windows only cost me three hundred, but the pain that they created in my life cost me more than seven. So I got no troubles with it. Verse 18, he said, But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrite? Why are you testing me? He said, Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said unto him, It was Caesar's. And he said to them, Render to Caesar. Give Caesar what belongs to him. But now notice, and it's not in this particular sense, not in this order. He said, and give to God the things that belong to God. You, you need to understand is that you've got to turn that around. Because, because remember, God rules over the government. Now, he has given us the framework. It's called our Constitution. Yeah. Our Constitution is being, well, it's under siege. So people just keep breaking it. Why is it? Because they're lost. They're demonic. And they have figured out a way how not to obey. Kind of sounds like a bunch of kids. They're figuring, well, you know, you never said that. I mean, you might have said that, but you didn't say that. No, wait a minute. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It's like you didn't know that I didn't have that in mind. Well, you know, you never said it. Say, well, I can see you need to go back to kindergarten again so that you can begin to figure out reasoning and, and, and thought association. You need to be able to do that. So God wants you to have enough money to pay your taxes. Now, inside of all of this, I'm already beginning to work inside my mind about how do I get above all of these things? You know, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse number 19, a very interesting verse. That's where they get that verse. It says, and when the enemy comes in like a flood, right? He said, now the spirit of the Lord raises a standard against him. Well, let's just say it like this. Let's say that you went through life conning your way, not, not doing the things that were right, and you, you got to the place where now you became a Christian. And when you became this Christian, and you now wanted to get things, you wanted to put things in order, because I pray about order all the time. God's passion is order, or else trees would sing. His passion is order. He wants things in order. Even to the smallest amoeba on the bottom of the sea that no one will ever see in all of time, that is in order. And it's in balance. And the moment that that becomes out of balance, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens because there's a break in order. So God's passion is order. His passion is not prayer. the earth would, would break apart and become something that you never 
ever wanted to see, or you would die in the midst of all of it when it broke up without order. It spins in order. It does everything it does. Number four, it does everything it does in order. God wants us to have enough money to care for the less fortunate. He does. He wants that to be what's on your mind. God, what can I do for someone else today? Not what can I do for me? Oh, I'm just so excited about what I'm going to do for me today. No, it's not about me. I don't eat until I make sure that everyone else around me is satisfied. Ever. You make sure that people are cared for. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 17, it says, He that has pity upon the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him again. Well, now, I'm thinking, why is that? And this is, this is interesting. I said, you know, here's some people that can't. These are less fortunate people. But then there's Luke 6.38, right? Where it says, give. And it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. How is it that there are men that God is going to pay me back for giving to, and then there's men that are actually going to give to me? And I wanted to make sure that you knew this. The only distinction of those two, those two parties of people is that one party would never be able to have anything to be able to pay you back. A poor person can't pay you back. So God said, look, you take care of him. I'll give it back to you. But who are the people that are to be in our lives every day? He said, give. It shall be given to you. Good measure. I mean, really. It'll be given to me in more than I've given. And these men are going to give it into my heart. Who are these guys? They're the people that God wants you to build your life with. Make sure that you build your life team with people that are more fortunate than you are. That you actually build it with people that you aspire to be like. That you build it with people that actually are a doorway and not a window. Where what they do is they let you look through everything and look into all the things that they have, but they never open the door for you to enjoy it as well. Isn't that true? true? So, okay. So, there, I know God wants me to have enough money to care for the less fortunate, but then what God does is that he sends someone into my life to care for me. To, for me. He, see, I don't care for me. 
God cares for me. That's the reason why that no one can ever say to me, you know what, this is what you did. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I would never attribute what has happened in my life to me doing it. But I'll answer Gigi's question. You know, how'd you do that? I can tell you all about it, but how it happened. But I didn't do it. There's not, there, I don't have miracle grow, but I do have perseverance. I don't have, you know, some special incantation that actually makes it all work. But what I do have is I do have the pursuit of what is right. That's important to us. Here's number five. Number five. God wants us to have enough, including money, for us to richly enjoy. After all this, I pay my taxes. I take care of my own house. I care for the less fortunate. I build the right life team. Then he comes back and he says, now I want you to be able to enjoy your life. I want you to never think ever again about money. I don't think about money. You know, I, I think it, it, it's a good thing to always go over and over again. I think it's good to go over and tell everyone where you came from. Because otherwise people think, well, how did you get that inside of your mind if in fact that you grew up in a place that by the time that you were seven years old, that I'll tell you just about Mrs. Stancic. Everybody's got, everyone's got a Mrs. Stancic. So this is not just me. You have one too. Mrs. Stancic was my third grade teacher. In Chicago, we had the years broken up at that time in, in halves. So the first half of the year, you were in 3B. The second half of the year, you were in 3A, which then prepared you for going into 4B and then 4A. And so the rooms were somewhat connected. They had a door between them that I can remember. And Ms. Stancic said, hey, Thompson, get up here. I said, yes, ma'am. She took me over between, she opened the door and took me between the, the doors. I stood in the doorway and she had two classrooms. She pointed her finger down at me and she said to the two classrooms, with me standing there, you see this boy? He is stupid. He will never amount to anything. And the moment that you believe it is the moment that you don't. So I went home. We didn't have anything to eat. One day, all four of us boys, we didn't go to school. We didn't go. So I saw a truant officer walking up. Now, do you, how many of you know what a truant officer is? Okay, only you, only you guys that are over the, 
Okay, just kind of told us who everybody was. That's, it's like, what was what, what, that truant officer? Okay, I know who you are. And it's, oh yeah, I know what that is. I got that one too. And so the truant officer walks up and he, he knocks on the door. Well, we, we really couldn't answer the door because they were going to throw us out again from the house that we lived in. But it was a truant officer, and, and my mother answered the door. She worked. My father worked. Us boys were alone all the time. And the truant officer said, why aren't your boys in school? Why didn't they go to school? And my mother said to the truant officer, she said, because they don't have any clothes to wear. And that was true. All four of us were in our underwear. So they gave us these tickets. I, I mean, I, they gave us these tickets. I mean, they, I remember that. I, I thought this was a carnival. I, I really did. We, they took us to this big store. That's, it was huge. It was huge. It, I mean, absolutely huge. I, I walked in there. I couldn't believe my eyes. Now, mind you, I'm only seven. So I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, look at all those pants. Look at all those coats. Look at all those winter boots. Winter boots, having winter boots. My winter boots. I didn't have any of them. And so they loaded us up and gave us all this stuff. And I got to go back to school. And I had a, you know, they didn't used to call them. Who knows what they used to call jeans before they were jeans. What? What was that? Dungo what? Oh, Rees. Dungo Rees. I remember that my dungarees. The thing about dungarees was, was that dungarees, if you ever thought about falling down in dungarees, you couldn't fall down because they were so stiff. You stood right up. You'd never fall down. That's how stiff they were. They had all this sizing in them. But the problem was, was that the moment that you washed them, they were always too small. So, I mean, you think, what are we going to do? So when you see these guys with, with clothes that are halfway up to their knees, that wasn't the style. <laughs> that wasn't the style. That was what happened to your dungarees when you put them in the washer. That's what happened. And so... I remember I got to go back and see Mrs. Stancic. And Mrs. Stancic said to me, she goes, Thompson, come here. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you go underneath the piano and you start cleaning it. You clean the floor. And I started crying in class. I said, please, Mrs. Stancic, please don't make me go behind the piano. These are my new dungarees. She didn't care. And that is how I lived my life. My parents were both alcoholics, and by the time I was 13, I was one. I made the decision early that I didn't want to be like my mother and my father, and so I went to drugs. So by the time that I was 16, I was a drug addict. 
I tried to hide it very, very well. And then I was just so depressed about life, I thought, well, the only thing that there is to do is for me to get married, so to get out of here. Well, but there was a problem. I loved my wife. I mean, I, I met Linda when I was 17, and I've loved her. I just love her. Somebody says, you know, when, now girls, this will help you. This will help you. Never ask your husband why he loves you. I'll tell you why. Because once he makes the decision to love you, he doesn't go back on it. It's just a decision. So if you, but for a guy, and you say, well, you know, why do you love me? I, you know, I mean, your wife, you know, here's why I love you. You know, I love you because of this. I love you because of this. I love you because of this. And they can actually enumerate that stuff. But a guy, when a, when a guy says to you girls, so you'll figure this out. When he says to you, when you ask him, what are you thinking about? And he says, what? Nothing. Guess what? That's the truth. So guys have a nothing box in their life that girls don't understand because they never have a nothing box. They, they're always, you know, it'll be like 2 o'clock in the morning. 2 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden she'll go, boom. And you go, what, what, what's going on? Because I'm thinking I'm having to go and take on the rest of the world, get up and let them have it, you know. But it's not. It's like, you know what you said to me last week? You know, that, that would really be funny if it wasn't true. If it, it's really true. But you know what you said to me last week? I'll go, no, no, I don't know. Oh, you never listen to me. No, 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 it's, it's going to go somewhere else. It doesn't stop there. It's like, no, honey, when I tell you, when I tell you that I'm not thinking about anything, baby, let me tell you, sweetheart, I am not. I am not as smart, like, I'm not as smart as you. You're smarter than me. You're more educated than me. You got it all together. The problem is, I'm the leader. God never puts the smartest person in charge. Never. Because the dumbest one is the one that discovers that he needs them. I got like, oh God. Oh Jesus. Jesus, did you just hear what did you just hear what she said, Jesus? Oh God, what do I say now? Well, what have you been thinking about? Nothing. I haven't thought about this at all. I don't know. So God wants you to have enough money to be able to love your family, to, to just love what you're doing, to enjoy your life. He wants you to have enough. Man, that just sounds like a lot of money now. He wants us to have a lot of money. Oh, God, what are we going to do? I made a discovery. The greatest investments that I've ever made never came from the stock market or anything else. The greatest investments that I've ever made were, were at the times when I would give in church. I would give more, and then I would begin to take care of the minister. Because when you, when you take care of what God loves, God will take care of you. Can you put up for me Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 8? I want you to see something. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 8, 
The Bible tells us something. He says, knowing this, that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are, where you came from, doesn't, none of that, none of it, none of it matters at all. Whatever you do good, that is for someone else, God is going to have someone do that very same thing for you. And if he's going to have you, if he's going to ask you for money, just remember, any time that someone talks to you about a seed, God has a harvest on his mind. Always. God always has a harvest on his mind. Now, I had something here that was about money in marriage. How many of y'all are married? Sometimes. Now, the thing about being married, the thing about being married has to do with not feeling whether you're married or not, but understanding that you are. I don't ever wake up in the morning and, and you know, I never feel married. I don't feel single, but I don't feel married at all. You know, over 90% of the divorces that happen today have something to do with money. They do. Understand this about unconditional love. Ladies, you'll, you may not... You may not think this is true, but if you just put it in your pocket and hold on to it for a while, you'll figure out what I'm saying, and you'll agree, because it took me quite a while to come to this assumption. Men love unconditionally. So when people say, well, you know, God loves me unconditionally, well, that's kind of true. So when somebody talks about, you know, it's God's unconditional love, it's not really conditional. You reject the blood of Jesus, you tell me how conditional that is. You tell me what happens the moment you turn your back on the HG. Tell me how that works. How's that working out for you? You know, you just want to know about that one. You know, because it's, but once, once it comes down a tear into our humanity, Men love unconditionally. When I made a decision to love Linda, I bought it. I bought, remember when Jesus said that you buy the hope, the guy who's, who is in the kingdom of God, he finds the treasure in the field. He goes and he hides it, and then he goes off and he buys the entire field. He just didn't buy the treasure. When you get married, gentlemen, you don't buy a treasure. You buy the field. Now, you're going to enjoy the treasure, but you still got to clean up the field. Still got to clean up the field. Now, with women, it's a little different. Women love conditionally. It's conditional. How much money is in his bank account? What kind of pedigree does he have? Is he really worthy of me being able to spend some time with him. I mean, just all that stuff. I mean, that, that's because women love conditionally and men love unconditionally. Now, don't think that that's any different than each other. 
Because a man, remember this, girls, and I, I, some of y'all aren't married, so you'll know this. Women are only interested in a man's future. When you got married, you didn't get married, girls, you didn't get married just to get married. You got married because you believed that that character was going to become something with his life. And you wanted to buy into that. He said, you know what, I can, I can be the bosun on that ship. You know, I can. I really can. So, so a, a girl is very interested in a man's future. What's he going to be able to do with the future? Why Linda's mom and dad let me anywhere near her with how burned out I was? I have absolutely no idea. And you know what they told me? They said, because we saw something in you. The first thing was, I, I'm a respectful person. And once you begin to understand respect, whatever you respect will move toward you, even money. But whatever you disrespect will move away from you. If you don't respect money, money's not coming to your house. It doesn't want to be around someone that doesn't respect it. Now, for, for guys... Guys are only interested in a girl's past, not her future. He's going to take care of her future, but he's very interested in her past. What's her body count? How many guys has she been with? What kind of things does she like to do with her friends on her off time? Does she go clubbing? Where does she, you know, where is she spending her time? How many guys is she dating? right now what kind of things is she doing how often how often does she go off and have sex with guys on the proverbial first date because that's what's all that's what's happening now people they have no idea they have no idea that life everything about life friends everything 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 in life is a romance they quit knowing how to romance because it's not. It's always transactional. You do this for me and then I'll do this for you. It's all transactional. And that's the way that the, the present generation is. I believe we're going to come out of it, but that's the way that it is. But here are some guidelines for money in marriage and then I'll be finished. Number one. Number one is this. And couples should always live by these four principles. First, there should be no secrets about money. No secrets in your home. No secrets. I never hear that my wife doesn't know anything about the finances. But until I say, well, honey, you never asked. You need to call this person, this person, this person, this person, and find out where the money's at. And by the way, I'm working on it to make sure that it's a big bundle when I choose to leave here, unless you want to go first, and then I want to have a big bundle when you go. I mean, it's, it's whatever. But if you're going to stay here, I'm not going to, I'm going to take care of you until you die. Not when I die. When you die. So how much, you know, you, you, want, you want to make sure that you know what, 
to do there. You know, let's say you don't have any money, but you want to begin to take care of your family. You want to give them some security. It's very simple. Get life insurance. Just go out there, get yourself, you know, you can find yourself a three quarters of a million dollar policy for many of your ages for 30 bucks a month. It doesn't, there's, it's not hard, but at least what it is, is that your family will have three, three quarters of a million dollars if you decide to die. So, I mean, that's okay. It gives you a breather, gives you a breather, and then you begin to build wealth. Wealth is not only in cash. Wealth comes in a number of different ways. Okay, so the first thing is, there's no, no secrets. Both partners must be fully aware of the family's financial status. Number two. Second, there should be no master-slave attitude about it. Well, what's a master-slave attitude in marriage? Well, I go to work every day. What'd you do? It's like the fella who actually says, he, he gets a man, he's just tired. He comes home from work. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. He, he, so he gets, he, he just kneels down by the bed before he goes to sleep, and he says, oh, God. He says, you know what? You know, I don't even know what my wife does all day. I mean, what does she do? She don't do, what, what does she do? It's like, how about it, girls, when some guy comes home and says, what did you do today? It's like, guys, worst question. <laughs> Never ask a girl what she did today. So this guy prays and he says, oh, God, help me. You know, I'll tell you what. If my wife could see everything that I have to do every day, then that would really be great. So how about if what we do is, God, let me change places with my wife for one day. Just for one day. That's all. And God said, that's it. You're, you know, your prayer's been answered. Your prayer's been answered. So the next morning, it was like body snatchers. His wife was in his body and he was in his wife's body. And so there it was. There it was for 24 hours. He was going to be the wife and she was going to be the husband. And during that time, he got, when he, after he got up, he needed to get the kids, he needed to get all the kids' lunches ready for school. And then what he, what he had to do was he had to go out there and he had to make breakfast for everybody. He made breakfast for everybody. He took the, he took the lunches to school. He, he had to take, then take the kids to school, just like his wife did. When, and then after he, he took the kids to school, he, he went grocery shopping, came home, and started ironing. And, that, and, ironing, and now it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And at 3 o'clock, he had to go back and pick the kids up from school. So now he goes and he picks the kids up from school. And man, and, and then... Uh, Man, I got to get home. I got to start cooking dinner. So he just starts cooking dinner. Man, he's thinking, oh, man, I'll tell you what. So far, this looks like I'm going to be okay about it. But then he cooks dinner, then cleans, cleans dinner, and he cleans up after dinner, washes the dishes, does all that stuff. While, you know, now all of a sudden, his wife comes home from work as the husband that day. Comes home from work, and now this guy, he turns around and he, he, he says, I'm just so tired because as being a wife just became so tired. 
he was so tired and it was time for them, you know, to go to bed that night. And the guy gets back down on his knees and he says, oh, God. He said, I, 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 I promise, I, I promise, I promise, I'll never complain about her again. I just will never complain about her. He says, okay. He said, now you, you learned your lesson. He said, so, he said, but we only have one problem now that you've waked up, you've woken up this next morning. He said, we got one problem. And the guy said, well, God, just one thing. He just, just one thing, because I, I just want to be back to who I was. I mean, help me get back there. He said, well, he said, we just have one problem, though. He said, you're going to have to get through this one problem, and then we'll be able to get it worked out. And he said, well, what's that one problem? He says, you're pregnant. <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, no, nine more months of this. It's unbelievable. So here, there's nobody who turns around and tells the other person, I'm the one who wins the bread. Now, it's important for, it's important, and I just encourage you about this. Gentlemen, have a, have a general bank account for your life. But also, she gets her own bank account. And then you have your own. Where what it is, is that neither, neither of you go into those bank accounts. But you live out of the center one. Because what that does is it gives you an opportunity. I, I, can't, I can't stop Linda. I can't, I can't stop her. She, she, is, she is terminally a giver. So I can't stop her. What, what am I going to do? I couldn't, I, couldn't get her, I couldn't get her to buy anything. She's Polish. You don't understand them down here. But up there, up there, there's something. But she's Polish. She would never spend money for anything. I, I, it took me a long time to get her to just really realize that, you know, we're doing okay. I mean, you know, so we, we don't need to, to think like this anymore. The only problem was that once, once I, it finally took me a while to get her to, you know, to really, you know, get strong and get out there and just... Start really doing stuff, giving stuff, buying stuff, helping people, doing all those things. And once I got her started, now I can't get her stopped. I can't, she, won't, she won't stop. She just, she's just like, well, hey, I knew you wanted me to do this. I go, yeah, well, okay. 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 So you have, you have, everybody's got a bank account, but you have your general bank account takes care of the bills. And you make sure that there's money there just in order to be able to take care of some of the interesting incidentals. And then you make decisions together of how the money is spent. Now, girls, here's the, here's the issue. Ladies, you use as a tool that unless we're in agreement... We don't spend anything. That's a problem. I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is, is that that becomes the trap that he falls into every time you don't want him to do something, you tell him that you're not in agreement. And so when he's not in agreement, then he's, he has this idea, because it's what the church taught him, that he 
can't do that. Well, how is it that you can tell a leader that he can't lead? No. Look, I want to let you know what I'm doing. I want to let you know why I'm doing it. I want to, I want to tell you this, and I believe that this is a good step for our, for our family. Well, but I, I don't really agree. I said, well, honey, it, I, you know, I love you, but I want to make sure that you understand this. And this is what, as our family, we're going to do. Because I have to lead this family. And I'm not going to lead it with your permission. Most guys live inside of their marriages by permission. They get to be the husband by permission. They're not the man. Their wife is the man. Everything is all happy till she's not. That anybody that turns around and says, well, you know, happy wife, happy life. You got to watch out for that guy. You need to pray for that guy. Because she's not going to be happy. She's not happy. And ladies, that's what your call in life is. Your call in life is to be happy, to bring joy to everyone that you know, to be an encouragement. You never open your mouth in criticism, ever. When you speak, you speak the oracles of God and you build someone up with what you say. You are not the coach of the team. You are the cheerleader of the team. Okay. Number three. Number three is there should be no cheating. Whatever plan has been established, there's no cheating in it. You keep to the plan because that's how you get accomplishments because you keep to the plan because both partners the moment that they agree to it we're gonna we're gonna do it this is what we're gonna do we're gonna get out of debt okay that doesn't mean that you're out of debt for a little while that means that we're gonna get out of debt and we're gonna stay out of debt and we're not gonna and we're not gonna incur any more debt but don't, but have, you're going to need, you know, a couple of credit cards. You need to do that. But you must bring yourself to the spot where what you do is that you pay the balance off every month. The reason why you do that is because you don't want to pay interest, right? Okay. And, you know, and if you got bills that you got to pay and all that, you just, you just roll, you do the snowball method. You take the smallest one first and you just continually... Get, get the rid of the bigger ones. And lastly, number four, is fourth, there should be no forgetting where the money comes from. Everything belongs to God. It came to you from the hand of God. But, but it also came because you worked for it. You traded your time, but the blessing of God did not come on you because you traded your time. The blessing of God came on you because you believed in the precious blood of Christ. See, when Brother John talked about that, the precious, that to me it was so important for us to know that 
That first Peter, what is it, one eighteen through twenty or so? Is that can you put that up there for me? First uh, Peter chapter one. It says, Knowing this that you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Is that you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct that was received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. The blood of Christ runs through every part of your life. And that precious blood was offered to God. That precious blood made every promise of God true for you. The precious did. So anything that comes into your life was given to you from God. And if God gave it to you, why can't he ask you for it? And the thing that I want you to know this week, in just a moment, I want to lay my hands on every person in the room because I want there to be change for every person in your thinking and in your actions, your behaviors. That's what we're going to ask God for. So, so knowing this, the precious blood of Christ that actually has been shed for us, that precious blood caused God to say yes to everything you ever asked him for. Because he's not saying yes to your request. He's saying yes to the precious. And you are, because you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay? Okay. And one of the things that, that I learned, and just to kind of begin to talk about to you, or address Gianna's question, one of the things that I learned early on in my life, I was at a meeting, a bunch of people, I was sitting in the back, Linda and I took all the money that we had just so that we could get to this meeting. New Christians, I was one of the nicest charismatic people that you ever met. But I was poor, and I was sick, and I was living unrighteously. But I was nice. Oh, praise the Lord. I was nice. The only problem was, was I was ineffective. I couldn't produce anything with my life. Now, if I pick up a phone and say, I want you to give this person a million dollars, then it's done. Where does that come from? It comes because it took a lot, of, a lot of crying and a lot of disappointment and people not wanting to be with me and me not being allowed to play all of the reindeer games that everybody else got to play. That's where it came from. It came from the places where I couldn't, I couldn't go in a room because I was being made fun of. I understand. Believe me, I'm telling you. That's the reason why that, 
I want to talk to you about this. Do you realize that there's nothing more important to the functioning of your life than what we're talking about? There is no more things that are important. So, well, you know, love is important. Yeah, but love ain't going to pay your bills. I don't care how much of a rolling stone your papa was. That, that, I mean, it doesn't pay the bills, darling. It just does not pay the bills. Well, you know, we're going to live on love. Yeah, I want to see how, how's that working out for you. Because you don't live on love, you live on money. Man, we need money. Oh, man, we want to take the gospel around the world. Great. That's such a great desire. But how are you going to do it without money? How are you going to go on television without money? How are you going to show the rest of your family that God's alive if you don't have any money? Yeah. You know, are you going to show them just because you're nice? Oh, no. They're, they're laughing about you and they're putting you down and you don't even know it because you dared to believe in Jesus. You dared. Well, all right, then let Jesus, then let Jesus loosen your life. Let him loose. There isn't anything you could ask me wouldn't give you. And why is your asker broken? Because, my brethren, you ask and you receive not. Because you ask amiss. Give me James chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 up here for me, please. I want everyone to see this. James chapter 3. I like this verse anyway. I'm not sure it's going to take us where we want to go. But we all stumble in many things. But if a man does not stumble in his words, the same as a perfect man, and he's able to direct his entire life. Verse 3. He said, indeed we put bits in the horse's mouth. This is just going to talk about words, folks. Indeed we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. Yet they're turned about with a very small, with a very small, bit that's put in their mouth and it turns their whole body he said behold also the ships which though they be so great and they're driven by fierce winds yet they're turned by a very small rudder you know whethersoever or whethersoever the governor wants them to go now this is just something to tell you that your life is really your life is really determined by the story that you tell yourself not the story somebody else tells you. What are you telling you? What are you telling you? Well, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, you know, I'd like to have all that money. I just don't want to be looked at like a, you know, a, a prosperity Christian. Well, you know what? You want to be looked at as a poverty Christian? Take your pick. I mean, there is no in between. It's one or the other. And so, I learned, and Linda learned, a long time ago, that, my, that I will live my life by my seed. I will never live my life by my needs. I'll live my life by my seed. I will not live my life by greed. I just won't do it. 
And is it a tightrope? Yes, it is. Is it difficult? Well, it takes time to learn. But so does anything else in life. So let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the word of God tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we can obey your word. We're so grateful. Now, Father, we're going to bring our seed to you. We're asking you, Father God, to multiply it. Father, as I lay my hands on people tonight, as I lay my hands upon them, I want to thank you for what you're going to do in these families. There's breakthroughs, not breakdowns, that are coming to each one of these homes. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your desire to be able to give to each and every one of us. May we never shrink back, and may everything that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for come to pass in every one of these families' lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The thing about seed is this. The thing about seed, always remember that it takes seed to gain a plant. Without a seed, there can be no harvest. You get, I, I had people tell me for years, they would tell me, well, you know, um, I just believe in God for a harvest. I said, well, okay, can you tell me about your seeds? What kind of seeds did you have? What were you sowing into the field? Do you remember when they said to Jesus, Jesus, well, who sowed this seed? He said, an enemy is this. Why would you be your own enemy? We must learn how to be able to give inside of God's house. That there is meat in his house. Once we take care of Jerusalem, we have Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Even the Wizard of Oz was smarter than that. When Dorothy asked Glenda, the good witch of the north, how many of you have ever seen the Wizard of Oz? Seen the Wizard of Oz? How many of you have not seen it? And you think that this is crazy. Dorothy asked Glenda, the good witch of the north, she asked her, she said, I need to get to Emerald City. Can you please tell me how do I get there? What, where, where do I go? She said, that's simple. You need to start at the beginning because it's a very good place. Nobody's asking you to run. Nobody's asking you to do that. But it's your faith. God, it's between you. This whole situation is between you and God. Me and him, straight up, face to face. What are you going to do? You wonder why. You wonder why something doesn't happen in your life. Well, what in the world have you done? What time did you get up today? How much did you talk to God about wanting to provide for your family? How much, ladies, how much did you talk to God about how you want to bring pleasantness into every person's life that you ever touch? 
I want my wife to have so much money that oh, the only thing she ever does is goes and loves somebody. That's all. I don't want her to do anything else. Just love people. I don't need you. I don't need you to do anything. I, except for you're going to make me look good for the rest of the world. You spend your time at that. I'll take care of the finances. I'll do it. Well, yeah, but how are you going to do it? You don't want to know about that answer. Because the moment that I give you the answer about how I'm going to do it, is it's it's actually going to drive you into a tizzy. You won't you won't you won't enjoy it. Because once your husband says, when you ask him, well, how are you going to do that? And he says, I don't know. That's just going to drive you up a wall, and you're going to start it all over again. No, 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 no. You just tell her you're going to get it done, and then you go and do it. Well, what is it going to take? Well, as you go, God will give you your ideas as you go. So let's, let's prepare our seed. Let's ask God what it is that he desires for us to sow tonight. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you, Father, for this, for this so important message of yours to the world. Father, I don't want to keep this to myself. I want your people I want them to have more in their lives than they can make a decision about delivering an entire, an entire people, an entire nation. Because you said, you said, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. Every person in this room was chosen by you to stand before royalty. That in the halls of parliament and in the halls of government that they would repent in sackcloth and ashes because of your goodness. But we know, according to Proverbs chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, that a poor man's, a poor man's words are never heard. I don't like that, but I know it's true. So cause your blessing your external blessing to come into the lives of my brothers and my sisters. And may their life be enriched by their seed and not, and not destroyed by their needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for Dr. Rob, amen. Hey you guys were blessed. Hallelujah. Don't forget, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we're going to be here one more night. I don't know about you, but just keep going to the next level. Amen? Just take these truths, meditate on them, come back tomorrow. We'll get some more truth, and then we'll be ready to go, and your life will never be the same again. Amen? Let's stand up on our feet. Lift our hands to heaven. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing and what you're imparting in these special moments of prayer that your life has changed forever. We know it's because of you and your word that we're never going to be the same again. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.